I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Aman Bajad, founder and managing partner of Royal Park Partners. The money men, perhaps we should characterize you as. We're looking at deal making in fintech. There's obviously been a change in the weather conditions for this. Inflation, the war in Ukraine, costs of financing going up. And then, and we can't not mention this, Silicon Valley Bank. The environment, what's it like now? Right now, the environment is challenging. If you're a, a, a kind of a, a growth stage business, particularly a business that's kind of Series B, Series C, looking to raise capital, has you know good product, good tech, good team, but there is something in the business model that is around that still requires proof and still requires some level of work to take the business to another level of maturity. Those kinds of businesses are, are really finding it tricky to, to raise capital in this market. Much earlier stage businesses, kind of seed, series A businesses are still finding it pretty okay. Uh, I think there's liquidity for those kind of businesses. Investors are, are, are sort of thinking and thinking of those businesses as being much more you know, requiring serious capital in four or five years time. And hopefully we would have seen the back of, of the current market dislocation. And then later stage businesses who have already got to a, a level of maturity are profitable, but are looking for some, some more capital to, to continue to, to grow their businesses. They also continue to attract capital, but, but obviously not at the same kinds of levels or volumes of, of yesteryear. But I think overall, it's a tricky market out there from a, from a capital raising standpoint. The VC winter has definitely set in. And it is, it's fair to say that uh, fintech has been uh, disproportionately hit in that uh, in that pullback. It was inevitable that it would be, given the enthusiasm, for want of a word, that describes perhaps some of the insanity, even, that's been going on in the last couple of years. It's interesting to me that in the middle of those three sectors you described, where the Series A and the seed fund is still happening, those businesses that are profitable are still getting access to cash, even if it's not quite in the volumes that they would have hoped for a couple of years ago. And in the middle, you've got people who aren't profitable, and they're being asked the hard questions now, aren't they? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, these, uh, these are kind of the, the classic crossing the chasm type businesses that are making the, the leap from, you know, doing 10 to $15 million of revenue and uh, are looking to get uh, to, uh, to to the next 30 or 40 to really become a mature business, become profitable, prove out their uh, their unit economics that from a, from a fundamental unit basis, those businesses are, are profitable, as I said, and create a huge amount of value for investors. Those are, are indeed the ones that are finding it the most tricky because uh, you know, in an environment of uncertainty, you are always going to err on the side of caution and the side of caution sort of necessarily dictates Going with businesses which have a have much more of a, a series of known quantities or known qualities about them, as opposed to businesses where you know you have to to believe in uh, one or more factors that some of which are endogenous, some of which are exogenous to the business, to be able to believe that you're going to have a, a good or an outsized outcome. That's really what what's uh, pulled people back. I think generally speaking, if you if you look at any market retrenchment or any market pullback, the pullback always affects the peripheries first, and only then does it go to the core. So you see a, a pullback from emerging markets, for example, into core markets. You see a pullback from sort of very aggressive B2C businesses and business models to being the kind of the core of what fintech used to be, much more B2B focused. 
and this current dislocation is no exception to that kind of age-old pattern of behaviour. I think the bottom line is if I was a VC looking to fund businesses now, I'd want to be able to have somebody demonstrate to me what the path to profitability is. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what uh, what VCs are uh, are looking for. I think, generally speaking, the criteria that venture capital funds assess businesses by are, are quite well trodden. I mean, they're all looking for the same, give or take six things, differentiated product, strong growth, profitability or path to profitability. They're backing a team, they're backing state-of-the-art tech, and they're backing commercial traction and, and, and looking at client concentration. Before the bull market, most investors focused on target companies that were satisfying maybe five out of those six criteria. During the bull market, market dynamics dictated that they had to be much more lax in terms of how they looked at those those criteria and they abandoned many of their strict requirements. And now the market is returning returning to a situation where investors are reapplying a strictness to their criteria. So, so indeed, part of profitability, but actually all of the other elements and facets to businesses, which previously I think they'd been more relaxed on with regards to uh, management teams with a proven track record, uh, businesses showing recurring and sticky revenue streams as opposed to just sort of flighty, transactional or credit type revenue streams that are impacted disproportionately when markets and economies fluctuate. You're looking at real differentiation on the tech side as opposed to business, businesses being built on every, somebody else's tech stack. And these are some of the things that, that VC funds are really probing on much more now around defensibility and long-term sustainability of these businesses. And this is where you sit. This is what you're looking at in order to be able to close deals. We always want to get engaged with clients as, as early as possible so that we can really examine the key vectors by which or, or the key criteria by which VCs effectively scorecard or rate businesses and be in a position where we're doing as much work as we can with businesses ahead of time to be able to develop areas that they might have overlooked as opposed to you know, deciding at a particular point in time that they want to do a fundraise and then looking at how the company stacks up on the typical VC criteria scoreboard and seeing that it's not great and then having to still go and raise funds, still trying to raise funds uh, because those companies are, are running out of cash. So we, we work through with businesses talking about those criteria, sharing with them knowledge and learnings from other businesses where uh, what's worked really well, what hasn't worked so well and where they can optimize their own business models such that when we take them to market, we've already prepped both the business, but then also investors to understand and have a have a sense of what of, of where the business is at before we sort of pull the trigger on on doing a fundraise for a for a business. And I think in generally speaking, the in the current market, in the sort of the bull market, six months start to finish for a deal would have been part of the course. It's now much more like 10, 11, 12 months. To getting a deal done start to finish. And in that 10 to 12 month period, it's much more about having a long front end where we work to, on one hand, do the preparation, but on the other hand, prepare the groundwork and help the company lay the foundations of a long relationship and a longer sort of dating period with investors or buyers of their businesses before those investors are asked to take action and either invest or buy the business. Yes, not on the first date seems to be the, the adage again. You're talking there about fundraising still but are you seeing anything in terms of in within the industry at large of forced exits of M&A activity where somebody's got an idea it's not profitable yet it still needs investment but they can't get the money are we seeing takeover activity in this instance yes absolutely so i would say the last 
probably February, in, in my view, marked the last period of time where we saw or knew of businesses that were managing to get internal rounds done to continue to drip feed those businesses. From kind of mid-February onwards, all the money that was going to go in from existing investors has gone into these businesses and, and they've sort of been told, you need to either make this work or sell yourself. There's probably still enough cash in the kitty to get people through till the summer. But really, I think in Q3, Q4, you're going to start seeing a lot more M&A activity because there's no more money to continue to fund many of these businesses. And the, the, as you said, as I said before, the fundraising doors are closed. So a lot of founders are being forced now to effectively turtle their businesses or really ramp down the, the overall expenditures of their businesses and start ha- trying to have aggressive discussions, really getting in front of strategics to sell their businesses or, or merge with other businesses on share, on a share for share basis to try and find homes for their businesses. Uh, and, and just sort of anecdotally around 20 to 30% of the mandates that we have on them uh, on at the moment have been triggered by unsolicited inbound interest on the part of strategics. And so that, that for me is a, a, again, a very interesting sign where a strategic has said, we're not really concerned about what the last funding round valuation was. This is the amount that we're prepared to pay for your business. Yay or nay. In yesteryear, where VCs would have tried to game the equation or told the uh, the strategic that they needed to come back with a figure that was four times higher or five times higher or, or just terminate discussions immediately, that heart sense of hardball has very much gone away and everybody's looking to, to be constructive around what the bookends of a deal could look like with a, with a particular strategic and how you could optimize value in a world where cash is very scarce. You know, I could hear the quotation marks around the word constructive in that commentary. <laughs> Yeah, look, obviously, I have to be a bit nuanced as an advisor here. (laughs) All right, looking more broadly still at the industry overall, how is capital being deployed? Are are you seeing trends in what it's going into, for example? Highlights and and hot areas uh, areas are still attracting uh, large amounts of capital. Obviously, no surprise, ESG. But really, I would say the, the E end of SNG, I think SNG is still very much seen as kind of consulting type businesses. The environment side is quantifiable, tradable, measurable. There are already various regulatory, voluntary and involuntary standards that are, that are in place around the E side of things. And so E continues to attract a lot of funding. We see the ESG and ESG fintech as being very closely uh, as sort of concentric circles. A lot of these businesses are either focused around the trading or movement of carbon and carbon allocation, which is a trading activity like any other commodity, or to do with data and reporting associated with regulatory compliance, or to do with data as relates to insurance underwriting and pricing and, and how to protect against uh, uh, climate catastrophe, climate risk, etc. So, so that this sector continues to attract a large amount of money. There are a lot of well-funded VC funds that have a strong climate mandate that is, have, have yet to deploy even 20 or 30% of their funds. So, so they, that continues to attract a lot of marginal dollars. No surprise, AI is next on the agenda. And everybody's obviously trying to give an, add an AI moniker uh, to their business models and updating website URLs with .ai, talking about nat- natural language models, but also now LLMs and how those different LLMs are going to be properly integrated into into core offerings. I think there's still a lot to be proven there on the AI side. But I, I think what's clear is that, that that's where uh, people are looking to get marginal efficiencies in the fintech space and how to accelerate vertical applications of, of AI. Those are really the two bright spots at the moment. 
And then what continues to always attract capital is uh, payments and cross-border payments. Year on year, the complexity and the use cases required for embedded payments, uh, embedded credit, embedded finance, these continue to to expand in their use cases and the market is still incredibly underpenetrated. And so I think we'll continue to see, and we have seen a steady flow of cross-border payments transactions, cross-border embedded finance transactions, cross-border marketplace payments companies, people who are embedding payments and credit into the point of checkout. We're going to see a continued flow of those businesses. Armand Bajad, founder and managing partner, Royal Park Partners. Thank you very much.